Hi. How are you? Not too bad, and yourself? With all due respect, let's get the small talk. Welcome to Let's Give the Small Talk, a podcast show where we talk about it all, one topic at a time. I'm your host, Tyconis Allison. With that being said, ready, set, stimulate. Let's get small talk. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to episode 74 of Let's Skip the Small Talk. Today, first and foremost, I'm going to be joined by a very special guest. My good brother Malcolm will be joining me in a little bit and we'll be discussing a few topics today that will absolutely ruffle some feathers. We will be having an uncomfortable conversation because it is a necessary conversation. The topics we discuss today will either make you cringe and hide within your shell or it's going to challenge you to expand your mind and look at things from the other side. We'll be kicking it off by discussing the Haitian Revolution. And we'll dive into why the greatest revolt in the world's history is suppressed in our history books. From there, we will discuss how not much has changed since 1965. And was integration the right thing to do in the first place? From there, we lead into America's ugly truth and how it lacks taking accountability for its atrocities against its own people. Once again, this will be a heavy episode, but it's a necessary episode. Because here at Let's Skip the Small Talk, we talk about it all, one topic at a time. With that being said, before we dive deep, before we ruffle some feathers, before we expand some minds, let's talk about the podcast. If you enjoy Let's Skip the Small Talk, and you would like to help the podcast reach its fullest potential, then by all means, please do so. All you have to do is simply text this episode link to one person in your phone. Just one person. Send it to them. It goes a long way. It has been helping out tremendously. So please continue to do so. And thank you. Thank you in advance. All right. Let's kick the show off with a little motivation. Three, two. One, score! Goal season is here. I repeat, goal season is here. I want to give a special shout out to all the goal seekers out there. All the goal seekers, everybody out there striving and thriving. Guys, it's the middle of the week. There's still time on the clock. There's still time on the clock to get everything done that you set out to do. So do not give up on yourself. Don't. You're halfway through. Don't feel discouraged. Don't feel bogged down. Listen, take it one step at a time. 
Every day is not going to be a step forward. I guarantee that. I'm going to be honest with you. Every day will not be a step forward. But take a step. Take a step. Taking a step is better than taking no step at all. Sometimes you'd be sidetracked. You go a little bit to the left. You go a little bit to the right. You may even take a diagonal step where it's not necessarily to the right and it's not necessarily forward. But don't stand still. Don't stay put. Staying put is worse than taking a step back. So please, it's the middle of the week. There's still time on the clock. There is no excuse why you can't reset and recalibrate to keep going. You're not always going to move forward. But keep moving. Okay? All right. Like I said, we have a very special episode today with a very, very special guest. We're going to be talking about it all. Without any further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome in, my good brother, Malcolm. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Likewise, it's always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being here because this episode would not be happening if you were not here. Today, we are going to discuss the Haitian Revolution. And when this idea came to mind, I immediately immediately called you and said, my brother, please, please come. Let's talk about this. I don't want to hear from anyone else because my good brother, we could read all the articles we want in the world. We can watch all the documentaries we want, but it's nothing like hearing a first person account of the story. And my brother, you are Haitian. And if we're going to talk about the Haitian revolution, I want to hear what you have to say about it. I want to hear what what mommy and poppy have told you about it in their words. I want to hear mm-hmm. the truth, my brother. Mm. So once again, today we will be discussing the Haitian Revolution. And my brother, I want you to kick it off and, and take us wherever you like to go. But first and foremost, I like to throw this little kicker in. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, you remember how you were taught in school how Columbus sailed the ocean blue in the year of 1492 and discovered America? Well, we all know that that wasn't true. He never made it to the coast of America. He made yeah. it to Hispanola, which wasn't called Hispanola. It was called Haiti. However, as you know, a colonizer will come to a place, rename the place as if that was its name, which which is, Malcolm, we're going to have to dive into the audacity. Yeah, let's start right there. Let's start right there. Go ahead, the audacity. The audacity. This guy, Columbus, came on his sailboat, landed on Haiti, called it Hispanola, and then immediately started chaos, torture, rape, and they turned the place into sugar plantation. Haiti became one of the wealthiest countries in the world because of all of their exports. But 
like my good brother Malcolm said, we, we're going to start right there. What you guys were told, 1492, Ocean Blue, Christopher, yeah, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know why that's still a day anyway. It, it needs to be thrown out because he didn't discover anything. A man is still celebrated to this day over a lie, right? A, a big lie. Like, like nothing was true. How can you discover something when you pulled up to the shore? People were looking at you and waiting to see what the hell are you doing here? What did you discover? Exactly. I'm confused yeah. about the definition of discover and what actually happened. I, I'm yeah. very confused. Yeah. Let's talk about the native people that were already actually there. Theano, Theano. Yeah. When Christopher Columbus decided to come to a country and say that he discovered this place already when there was already people there, um, well before he even got there, um, he bought disease, he enslaved them, and that's how you have Africans getting to um, uh, Haiti. And Dominican Republic because they, they they lost their workers. There was nobody to be in the fields and things like that. So that's why they had to go to West Africa, buy the slaves and bring them over um, to Haiti. It's it's sad. It's depressing. It it is disheartening. And also, what's crazy is how some people get upset if you if you don't agree with the story of Christopher Columbus. They they're like. You can't change history or it is what it is. or It's just, once again, more entitlement and the audacity to say you discovered something and you did not. And, and to those people who say that you can't erase history, nobody's trying to erase history. History is history. Um, Christopher Columbus p- plays a significant part in that history. But I think you can also falsify history. Right. You can't make things up because it sounds good. What you can say is Christopher Columbus pulled upon a place where people already live and he learned about their culture. He learned about this new region that maybe where he came from, they didn't know about. But to say that you discovered something that was already there is just a fault. It's false. It's not true. You know what I mean? And when people say, oh, you can't erase history. Well, like I said, nobody's ever trying to erase history. What we're trying to do is one, tell the real story, and two, we're not glorifying monsters, right? We don't want to glorify Andrew Jackson. We don't want to glorify Christopher Columbus, and we don't want to glorify a lot of these other horrible men. There should not be statues of them. There should not be days celebrated for them. They, in all accounts, are not good people. That's just the fact. You could say that again, and, and my brother, you mentioned his name. You and I, we need to do an episode on Andrew Jackson. Yeah, he's one of the worst people. You might as well put him in the same category as Adolf Hitler. Very much so. He's horrible. Yeah. I mean, he's horrible. What he did to the Native Americans is is a crime. Every, uh, this is, I still can't get over, Malcolm, these colonizers. They came to Haiti, renamed it what they want to name it. Mm-hmm. France wanted to take one part. Spain wanted to take another part. It's like these people were just coming in and just divvying up the land as right. if it was theirs. I'm so yep. confused. As what the hell was going on back then? 
yeah, that's how you got one side that speaks Creole and you got the other side that speaks uh, Spanish. Uh, the French had one side and the, and the Spanish had the other. And before, you know, I mean, Great Britain had some, that's why Creole is a mixture of, of multiple language, right? It's English, it's Spanish. Um, you know, that's how you get those, those mixtures in there. Um, because there were so many colonizers who tried to colonize the, the entire island. Uh, but yeah, the audacity of these people to just come over here, say, hey, we found this place. We're going to name it what we want to name it. Disregard the, the native people that were already there. We're going to suck all the resources out. And when the resources are done, we're going to leave. Man, I was, I was also reading that uh, it was yellow fever was was terrible. Yeah. And they their mindset was to work the slave as hard as possible because they won't last long due to yellow fever running rampant throughout Haiti, throughout the island. So get the most out of them as you can before they die. Th- that was literally their yeah. approach. The Haitian slaves were were probably one of the, you know, everywhere. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to compare really. I'm just talking about the treatment. If you kind of look at the treatment from the American slaves to the slaves that were in in Haiti, um, there's some people that would argue that the treatment of the Haitian slaves was 10 times worse than what it was here in here as, as far as the American slaves were. And, and that kind of just paints a picture for everybody because we all know First of all, slavery anywhere was just horrible, period. We all know the history of the American slaves was just atrocious. Um, and then to hear that it might have even been even worse for the Haitian slaves kind of paints you a picture where um, you probably don't want to even think about. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to think about it because it was so bad that King Louis... I don't know if it was the 16th, the 15th, one of the King Louis put in a code uh, to, to regulate the treatment of the slaves. Yeah. It was so bad that. They were that them to death. Yeah. And the sad part about it is after he established that code, the slave masters were breaking it like it was nothing. It, they didn't care. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, bro, not to cut you off. Can we skip the small talk for a second? Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What is your, what, before you did any research, before you had any knowledge of, of a Haitian person or the country Haiti, before you knew any of the history, what was your perception of a Haitian person? Mm, from, pers- what, from what, number one, before you know, if you had, if you knew somebody who was prior to me, if you if you had, if you knew somebody who was Haitian, um, what was your perce- perception of that person? And when they told you about Haiti before you had any of the before you did any of the research that you now know, what did you think? What did the world tell you? Mm-hmm. Yep, I got it. I got it. So my my first introduction to. Uh, Haitian culture, Haitian people was through you. And that was at, at, you know, 10 years old now. So everything I know was, was through you, um, hearing mommy and poppy speak, um, uh, 
eating dinner with you and and just just everything was all through you now here's the thing i never knew that first of all living where we lived all i know is oreo just black and white mm-hmm. so i didn't know that this different type of black people and and i use that word because because that's that's the word they use when when it's other um other ethnicity than than african american you know mm. black can stand for caribbean or da, da, da. Right, so right, they, right. They, they just try to lump it all together so time like really like cuz black, all black people get clumped yes if it's not from africa you kind of get clumped into this just black right there's like we all cuz you can be from central america black you can be from europe black you can be from africa you can even be Asian black. So kind of like your first experience with somebody outside of your normalcy of black was mm-hmm. our friendship. Yes. Was- yes. So that was, that was my first. So okay. uh, by and with us being, you know, so close and being brothers, it was, it became second nature to me. Now, all about how you're introduced to things in life. When I moved to Boston, mm-hmm. Moved to Boston at 17 years old, and I left home and I moved to Boston to live with my nana. That is where I start to now hear because Boston is very multicultural. Right. So there, there are Jamaicans, there are Haitians, there are Trinidadians, there are Bayesians. There, I I'm not gonna lie, Mo. When I first moved here, it was it's a melting pot. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. All I know is black or white. You're either black or you're white. But people were coming up to me asking me, what are you? And so, and and then when I say, "Um, I'm just black, they're like, no, 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 no. What are you? Where's your family from? And then that's when I start responding like, oh, I'm African-American. Now I knew what it meant. Now, now when I went to high school, there were different stigmas for people of Haitian descent. Hmm. One of the stigmas was Haitian people smell. Also, Haitian people don't play. I, it was mainly just that in high school. Um, but I, one of my friends ended up being Haitian uh-huh. that I met. And I was a new guy. So you only have a limited amount of friends. Everybody been friends for four years. I moved there my senior year, yeah. in the second semester at that. So, but one of the guys I met was Haitian. And he was telling me about uh, Zoe's and and everything and Boston has a big uh, Caribbean carnival and then this Haitian people come out to that theater. so because I was introduced to you I was a little bit familiar already but I came in on a clean note I I, 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 I wasn't tainted like like many um, as a first introduction so a lot of the things I was hearing I was throwing out the window because my best friend is Haitian so I know that that's not true but 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 yes uh, in high school, Haitian people had it bad. Now, present day, the roles have flipped, you know. Yeah. It's women, yeah. Yeah. Women can't get enough of a Haitian man with a beard and, and, and so forth. Uh, Zoe's all day, Zoe pound all day. Um, shout out to Kodak Black and everything. But, but back in the day, that wasn't the case. Yeah. And that was my reason for asking you that question, because I know we talk about the Haitian Revolution. We're going to get to that. But I, I just really wanted to you to to kind of bring up what it is to be around or your 
either pre-existing thoughts of what a Haitian was or what you thought about Haitians or what the world tried to teach you about what Haitian is, because I wanted to kind of discuss what it was for me as being a, a Haitian person, right? Oh, wow. I, can I, my brother, can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah, sure. This is something that I, I did hear growing up. So one thing I did hear anytime Haitians were spoken about was voodoo. And that was one of the reasons of why they said, don't mess. Don't mess with Haitians because of voodoo. But you know what, my brother? You know what? What's up? I actually learned what voodoo is today. And, and I'm so upset that I didn't learn it before. It's a religion. It's a religion. It's a religion of Catholic mixed with African spiritual. Spirituals. Bro, yeah. Catholic mixed with African spirituals. That's voodoo. Nobody That's, told me that. Yeah, because they only want to describe it in one way. Right. They wanted it's the little dolls that you poke with needles. Right. Yeah. That's how they, you know, talk about voodoo. Listen, I don't I don't practice voodoo. I don't know anything about voodoo. You know, that's people do that. I, I But I believe in spirits. I believe in ghosts and I believe those things. So if you tell me these things, I, I, I believe it to be true. I don't mess with it. I stay away from it. Um, but what I will say is growing up as as Haitian, I was so confused. Right. Because in my house. Man, it's it's nothing but pride. Like we wear it on, you know, we wear it on our sleeves. You Haitian, it's it, it was nothing to ever run away from from me. But when you stepped out of the side, out of outside the house, I remember listening, reading the history book, and they always say, "Oh, you know, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere is Haiti." And I'm like, "Damn!" But my mom ain't grow up poor. Mm. You know what I mean? She had drivers. She had show, uh, so, uh, chauffeurs things like that. She had butlers, she had maids. They had a nice big house. My grandfather was a business owner. My grandmother was a business owner. My grandmother was a business owner, you know? And I'm thinking, but in, in, here in America, women can't even own businesses. It's like, man, why are they always doing that? And then, you know, I, I think one time I, I asked my parents, she was like, it's the same way they paint the picture of Africa. She said, talk to African. That lets you know how their life was over there. You was like, she was always used to tell me like, listen, they're going to paint a picture of what they want you to believe, right? And that's no different of the picture that they've painted of the Haitian Revolution. Right? Wow. So it's one thing we hardly ever hear about the Haitian Revolution. It's not something that's bought up, right? It's a thing. It's, it's, a, it's a maybe a paragraph they might give you in the history book about the Haitian Revolution, um, because the reason why they have to talk about the Haitian Revolution, because they had to find a reason why France was losing its position in the world. And they kind of used the Haitian, Haitian Revolution as why that happened, because of the revolt. They spent a lot of money. They said they you know, spent a lot of money trying to, you know, keep Haiti as their cash cow. And because they lost it, they had to end up selling and because they were involved in other wars, they had to end up selling a whole bunch of all their other territories, you know, such as the Louisiana Purchase. They had to sell that off to America and things like that. But that's not the truth, man. The truth is, is that they were getting they were getting their ass whooped for 10 years, um, damn near 10 years. That's what it was. There was revolts here and there, back and forth of, of people just being fed up of slaves rebelling. One thing about the Haitian slaves what they realized is 
They had the numbers. They may have not had the resources, but they had the numbers. And with those numbers, they were willing to sacrifice their numbers because of that. When we talk about the Haitian Revolution, we have to talk about this as the biggest revolt to ever happen in the world's history. Mm. What other revolt you know that transpired from enslaved people actually gaining their freedom? Because I don't want to hear Western Hemisphere. I want to hear in the entire world. We're talking about enslaved people. Because the American Revolution is nowhere close. Because they weren't enslaved. They were mad because they had to pay high taxes. What other, what other revolt is bigger than the Haitian Revolution? The Haitian Revolt? None. It's the biggest. Thank you. So the biggest revolution is not printed in everybody's history book? No, it's suppressed because they're embarrassed. Can I tell you who wrote the history book? Even that, that Haitian people are, are, are reading right now? Who wrote it? The French. Mm. I'm the not surprised. That, the ones that lost are writing the history book in Haiti. But we're going to wow. get into that. Wow. We're going to get into that. Wow. Well, my brother, let, let's talk about it, man. You said that they had the numbers. So let's, let, let, let's try to paint a picture for the people. In 1779, we're talking about the the country of Haiti, a, a lot of people referred to it at that time as Hispanola, right? right? Yeah. In, seven, in 1779, the population of white people were 40,000. Mm-hmm. The population of mulattoes and free blacks was 28,000. The population of black slaves is was an is an estimate of four hundred and fifty two thousand, and that's light. I've heard some articles that say it's up to six hundred and fifty thousand. Wow, they were outnumbered, and some articles would say eight to one, ten to one. And with Malcolm's figure, that's easily 14 to 1, 15 to 1. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about those numbers. 40,000 white. The 40,000 white is the most unimportant number there. Doesn't matter. The 28,000 mulattoes and free blacks, that is the most important number. Now, why is that? Why is that, my brother? Because the mulattoes and free blacks are the ones actually in charge of running the country, right? The 40,000 whites were the ones who came back and forth between France. Mm. They, were, they were the ones who had like a vacation home, right? Wow. The mulattoes and free blacks were the ones almost running the plantation. Wow. So when you talk about fighting the revolution, it's the 452,000 fighting against the mulattoes. 
Mulattoes is a very, very important thing right here. This is how you get colorism. Wow. Something that is still very much prevalent in Haitian culture, right? They don't like to talk about it. And people are going to give me a lot of backlash if they, if they hear me talking like that. It's something very prevalent, you know? And, you know, my mom was talking to me something. It was something about it, with society where if you were of lighter tone, you had privileges. And, you know, it, it, it is what it is, you know, and my mom went down back to even her parents. My grandmother was a light, was a light skinned woman. My grandfather was a brown skin. She said that, you know, my grandmother and nine, a lot of times was able to uplift him, put him in situations where he probably wouldn't be allowed to go wow. because he was light skinned. And truthfully, I come from the mulatto. My bloodline is mulatto. Wow. Yeah. My, my grandfather, my great-grandmother, she's very, very light-skinned. Her father, which is my great-great-grandfather, is a white man. Wow. So my bloodline, I mean, if we were living in Haiti right now, be, you know, on that mulatto line on my mom's side, my, my father's side, um, not so much. But on my mom's side, yeah, I would come from, I would be a part of that mulatto um, mulatto group. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, the, this is very important to know about Asian culture. Like the mulatto thing is, and you know, when I was growing up, my, my parents said mulatto a lot. Really? Yes. And I never like, I, I never really kind of registered and never really clicked for me. What was their way of saying of somebody of mixed culture? Mixed. You're a mix. You're a mulatto. And I never really understood until they really started explaining to me because that's how they learned it back home. They were just, you know, they were saying what was naturally what they learned, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So that's how they call somebody of mixed race, white and black, mulatto. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm not going to lie. When I talked to them before we even did this and, I, and they went down a whole different rabbit hole. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. My brother, we want to hear what, <laughs> man, it's just like, and my mom was telling me like, this is, this is so, the mulatto thing was so in, embedded in Haitian culture. Like it's still something, like I said, that they deal with now. And she was like, if you, if you bring that to American culture, it's no different. That's how you get colorism, right? That's how you get the, oh, the, the house slave is light skin. The field slave is dark skin. She was like, it's something that the colonizers did to us from the very beginning, they had a way of separating us because that 452,000, they made you want to aspire to be a mulatto. The mulattoes aspire to be white. So it was always a way of keeping the chains on you and you didn't even know. Right. So, and, and, and the same thing was done in the Amer- for, for the American slaves. Like this, this, it was so embedded. Like not only did they physically abuse us, it was mentally too. I don't know who is the, the, the person with this master plan who had this well thought out plan. 
But man, did they succeed? They knew exactly what they were doing, how to do it, because they knew with 40,000, and they knew they weren't going to be on the island for throughout the full year. They knew they weren't going to be. They said, let me give the 28,000. Let me, let me make them feel like you can be what the 40,000 is. And that made the 28,000 feel more powerful. They were the ones really enslaving the 452,000 people. Wow. If we're being honest. That's crazy, man. When Toussaint, he was fighting against the mulattoes. He wasn't fighting against the French. Mm, now, my brother, can you, can you break down who Toussaint is? Toussaint Levateur was, um, is by far the most popular general in the Haitian Revolution. Um, he is credited with a lot of winning a lot of battles um, throughout that 10 year. I, it was probably a little over 10 years. Um, I think the battle was from 19, so 1791 to um, 1804, the whole revolution. Um, so what is that? What? Uh, That's like 12, 13 years. 12, yep. 13 years. Yep. Um, so he's credited with a lot of the success and actually positioning Haiti to become an independent state. Um, this breaks my heart. Um, but the guy that I thought Toussaint was really is, is not who I, who I thought he was. I thought this, he was just, man, I thought he was like a, a Haitian hero. But, um, you know, according to my dad, he's not really revered like that as a Haitian hero. What? Yeah. I mean, my dad said he would be, if you read his, his true history, he'd be equivalent to Uncle Tom. What? Yes. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my gosh. I would like you to, to talk about Toussaint and Toussaint and, and speak about what you know about him. And then I will go in and kind of give you what, what my dad said, what, what a lot of Haitians like if you really, because he said, I mean, I'll get into it, but I want you to kind of talk about what you think Tucson uh, is. What I gathered about Tucson was uh, that he was one of the main reasons of the victory in in the revolution. He was uh, one of the uh, command. He was the commander. He was self educated. At first, he was fighting for um, France for the French. And then he was fighting against them. And then he fought for them again to get rid of, if they agreed to get rid of slavery, um, which helped uh, stop the slavery. And then uh, eventually uh, Napoleon, you know, you know, called his loss, but I, I remember that the most about him is how he was back and forth for the for France against France for France back and forth. Mm. He never left. He never left their side. What? Never left their side. 
I'm sorry. Keep going, Brody. I just want to throw that in there. Just want to throw that in. This hurt my heart. Yo, so he was like a double agent? Yo, he wasn't really like, essentially, like my dad said, like, he did He did a lot of good things, right? We can't take that away from him. But he wanted to be that mulatto and free black. He was part of the free black, right? He thought he would take the power away from the mulattoes to get closer to that 40,000 white. His intentions were never really to, to really, really break away from the French. And truthfully, a lot of people don't know, it wasn't him. He already died before uh, Haiti got their independence. Really? It wasn't him. It was not him. He died in 1803, a year prior. Guess where he died? In a French prison. What? He deported back to France. They starved him to death. What? They said he, he was over there trying to get favor with the French. They said, no, you're still a nigger. He died in a French prison in 1803. Yo. So they got the last laugh. Yeah, he was a puppet. And that's usually what happens when you when 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 you're a double agent. They they leave you out to dry. So my dad said, and this is what he was saying. He was like, a lot of the history, most Haitians don't even know their own history. He was like, because the history books are still written by the French. He was like, but you have to go to the archives. You have to read the archives. The archives is what's actually going to tell you what really happened. Mm. The problem is most people don't have access to the archives. So all they're getting is the books that the French are giving them. So they're reading about Toussaint and they're reading about how great of a guy this is. Now, like I'm saying, he did a lot of good things. He positioned Haiti to actually become an independent country. But in all actuality, his real intention was never to really to break away from France. Wow, he just never, he he just wanted higher status. He wanted higher status. So it, it was a personal he, venture that that really grew into something beyond right. that anyone can imagine. Because if you look at his history, he never left France. He was always back and forth. You know, he, he's no different than, um, what's his name from, from Judas and the Messiah? O'Neill. Oh, wow. William O'Neill. William O'Neill. You know, and, and that's been a lot of Haiti's problem, you know. Um, throughout the years, there's never really been anybody to fully be 100% about them there's been so much outside influence that they've always been screwed you know and and we can talk about how much Haiti has paid Haiti has paid for their freedom it didn't yeah. it didn't come lightly they fought a battle and they paid to stay free yeah yeah dude france demanded a payment of 150 francs 
1825. That's equivalent to $21 billion today. Haiti paid it off in 1947. So 120 years. And I think it's a little after that, though. Okay. Because, you know, as Haiti developed it actually extensions and extensions and extensions mm. so i don't know if that actual amount was actually paid off in 1947 i think it actually has been lo- a little bit longer than that i think it wow. maybe the 2000s what yeah so haiti's been paying france from 1825 to the 2000s it just finally got paid off in the 2000s if i'm not mistaken I'll go back and double check that, but if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Wow. It's it's sad. It's sad. You know, a country that that is rich with the resources. Let's let's not let's not be confused why people talk about Haiti the way they talk about Haiti and they take advantage of Haiti the way they take advantage of Haiti. Haiti is rich with the resources. To this day, even though people have been drying out their resources. Time and time in America is one of the biggest people to dry Haiti of its resources. But that's a whole topic for a whole nother time. Yeah, keep the Clintons away, bro. Keep the Clintons. Woo. There we Haitians are not fans of Clintons. I'll just be honest with you. They're not fans of them. No um, one is. But, but they've dried Haiti of their resources, and still Haiti has a lot of untapped resources where they're trying to conspire to get control of those resources. But man, because Haiti has always started their freedom in a hole, they had to pay for their freedom. Essentially had to pay for their freedom. There's no other place, no other country that is paying for their freedom right now. So when people paint this picture of Haiti, as you know, our our one of our great presidents Donald Trump said, the shithole country. Damn. He doesn't realize that we're so prideful that we would rather pay you your little dollar bills and keep the pride of knowing that hey, we did this by ourselves. Mm. We don't we don't care. We don't care that we have to pay y'all a couple of dollars every year. But we did this. This is our country. That's the pride I grew up underneath. That's that's amazing. why I was that's that's why when I grew up, you couldn't you can never tell me that it was some it was a problem being black. Mm. I never for for any moment in my life ever thought what it felt like to be white. I don't care what it felt like to be white. Mm-hmm. I ain't white. I ain't never going to be white. I'm black and I'm Haitian. Yo, Brody, Brody, something just came to mind about what you said. The, the documentary Exterminate All the Brutes, mm-hmm. right, which is one of the inspirations for this episode. I don't know if you've seen a part. Did you see the reenactment of when the when the director switched the roles and the and 
the African Americans, the blacks were, uh, it was a scene where, where they were the masters to a group of white slaves. Oh and yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Brody, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Yo, bro. Okay. When I seen that, it's the first time I ever seen that, by the way. Yeah. First time I ever seen that. When I seen that, I felt I felt disgusted and relieved. Mm. I, fe- I felt disgusted because it was like, damn, like, 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 like the way they was treating them, like whipping them and da 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 da. And I felt I felt relieved because that that wasn't me. Now I'm not saying that I'm happy or I like the fact that we were treated the way we were treated, but I am very happy that we were not the evil ones. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, bro. When I seen that, I'm like, it was it was like a, ugh, like. <laughs> It 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 it, it, just, it just wasn't part of my spirit. It wasn't part of my blood. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like oh, uh, like no, nah, that's not right. That's yeah. that's not right. I was I was like, oh, yo, it 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 messed with my head, bro. Yeah, it, it was a true mind twist, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, bro, can I tell you how it made me feel? How did it make you feel? I understand the white man's perspective now. Ooh. Imagine, imagine if we was in that position. I I would not want to surrender that power. Not in a million years would I want to surrender that power. Yeah. And I'm thinking if I'm white right now, that's how I'd feel. Okay, yes, I'm sorry this happened to you, but that was the past. This is now. But you're still living in a in a, in a present time where you still have that same power. You have the power of wealth. You have the power of all these other things that's given to you. That's why I understand why they're so, even somebody who wouldn't consider themselves to be racist or whatever the case may be, they're always going to side with them. Because mm. they don't want to give that up. Yeah, who wants to give up power? They no power. Nobody wants to give up power. Nobody wants to give up them, their leverage. Exactly. You learn that in business. That's business one-on-one. You never give up your leverage. Mm-hmm. Damn. Business for them. It's not, some of them don't even, don't, don't, don't even like what's going on. You talk to some, you know, some people of, 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 of the fair skin who don't like what's going on right now in the world. But there's a line that they're not willing to cross. Because if yeah. they know they cross that line, they're going to give up some of their leverage. Business one-on-one, you never give up your leverage. That That's true, my brother, because that makes me think of two things. One, Dr. Umar Johnson spoke about that. And he spoke about, uh, because someone asked, well, Dr. Umar, what about our white allies? And he said, tell me one white person that made their life difficult to make yours better? None. None. Let me tell you, Brody, I have a business right now. I've been, I have 
been doing this for a long time, what I do as far as real estate. My number one client is the black people. I do not care if I lose a white client. They're not the ones putting food on the table. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. In my whole entire 10 years of being in real estate, of being an entrepreneur, I can count on the hand how many white clients I've had. Maybe two hands. That's it. Really? That's it. They don't want, they're not the ones who put food on my table. And do you know what that taught me is? Man, if we can just focus on each other, we're, that's good enough. My brother, I was, I was talking to Alicia the other night and I was telling her, I was telling her about the convo you and I had about the parallels between the plight of the African-American struggle and the woman's struggle in this country and how, you know, let's not get caught up in in tokens and being the first this or first that. Like what is actual change versus the perception of change, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was telling, I was like, yo, you notice how like when we were segregated, all we had was each other, right? Like we were forced to all have, you know, just each other. When we became integrated, Please go there. Please do it. When we became integrated, because the grass looked so much greener on the other side, and we just wanted to be let in, we just wanted to be included. This annoys me so much. <laughs> it annoys me so much. Hearing you say it, it's, it's, it's really irking my nerves. Yeah. But please and, continue. I'm sorry. Please no, continue. it's all good. And And we wanted to be included so bad. And I said this to her. I said... When the Civil Rights Act was signed in 1965, those people that were there and, and, and during that time, and with it being today, I wonder if it turned out the way they thought it would. I wonder if it turned out the way they thought it would to be included. Because here's something I'm noticing recently. We went to the other grass. We realized it wasn't greener. Now, what do you hear lately, Malcolm, all of a sudden? Not all of a sudden, as of recently. What what do you hear lately? By what? By black. By black. Why? Well, there's multiple reasons why. But one of them was we realized that no matter how much money, no matter how many trillions of dollars we give anyone, they still don't give a damn about us. So why not just keep our money to ourselves? We tried the grass on the other side. It didn't work. Mm. I wonder if Dr. Martin Luther King, what he envisioned, and if he was here to see it 70 years later, did he think it would be exactly what it is now or would it be something different? Hell no. I'm going to answer it for you. Hell no. Exactly. And that's what I told Alicia is we need to stop trying to change the game and read the rules of the game that we're actually in and play accordingly. Exactly. Yo, Martin Luther should have been sitting with Malcolm X. Those were the only two people who should have been in the room together. Everybody should have been out the room. It should have been Martin and Malcolm. 
And I can guarantee you, if we had Martin and Malcolm on the same page, we wouldn't be talking about none of the stuff we're talking about right now. Mm-mm. Everybody else get the hell out of the room, put Martin and Malcolm in the room, and they got to figure it out. Martin was smart. He was politically smart. Yes. Martin was politically smart. This is the person you would vote into office. Malcolm, not so much. Malcolm was the one who was going to hold Martin when he got into office accountable. Ooh. That was Malcolm's role. Because Martin could have got it done. Martin could have got it done. But he needed Malcolm to make sure and understand, hey, this is why you're up here for. This is why we sent you here. Get yeah. it done. Yeah. When I when I think of the two, I always, I always tribute Martin to opening doors for me uh, publicly. But Malcolm, Malcolm X is the one who made me love the color of my skin. Yeah. You know, with that being said, man, as much as I love Martin, I, I really feel like I really feel like he held us back. Ooh. You wanna touch on that, my brother? No, I just feel like some of the stuff like I, I feel like he said he's the young people, he sacrificed the young people. You know, I feel like he wanted to be so included. It's no different from Toussaint. He wanted to be so included in what white people had going on. Yeah, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. He wanted to be included so much that... And that's not what we needed. We didn't need inclusion. We just yeah. need, We didn't need obstacles, extra obstacles thrown in our way. We're fine being black. I'm fine being black. Don't get it. Ever, don't ever get it misconstrued. I'm 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 a hundred percent black, black African American, whatever the, whatever you want to call me. Don't ever get it twisted. I am that. Don't ever get in my way. Don't throw no obstacles in my way because I am that. That's mm. the only thing I ask you. Yeah. Yeah. I never grew. I. Am, my whole entire life, I never thought of what it was, how it felt to be white. I don't give a damn how I feel to be white because I ain't white. I don't care to be white. I am black, African-American, Haitian-American, whatever you want to call me, I am that. And what I realize is I don't need the other side to be great. All I need is my people. Yeah. I am going to take care of my own. Period. I don't care how that makes anybody feel. Oh, what about other people who did you right? That's fine. I'll do right by you. I'm not going to do anything wrong because you're white. But I'm going to go the extra mile to do right by my own. They're the ones who put money in my pocket. They're the ones who who, who help me feed my kids right now. Like, yeah. let's stop it. I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to be nasty to you. They're the ones that I take my time with. I explain everything to. I give them 100% details and everything. I go the extra mile for them because they are the ones, they're my number one client. My brother, it just, it, it makes me wonder, you know, the way we were designed, 
we're always going to be tribal. Always going to be tribe. It's always going to be something that's going to separate us. What if we're just looking at it the wrong way? What if we're going about it the wrong way? The way we were designed is to be divided. And and what I mean by that is, okay, it, if it's not by skin complexion, then it's by sex. If it's not by sex, then it's by gender. If it's not that, then it's going to be by height or it's by weight or it's by intellect. There, There's always going to be something that's going to divide us because we are different. Yeah. Let's read the rules of the game at hand instead of trying to change the game. Let's start playing accordingly. If we're always going to nick and pick because of our differences, then what if there is no such thing as a kumbaya, we're all going to be on the same page, let's all get together. What if you do get the best results working within your community? And what if, what- you always get the best results like that. And, and, and because people say it all the time, oh, such and such stick together, such and such, such and such stick together. Well, hold on. Okay. Let me start looking at this because I don't care about what ethnicity or what group you just said. I'm looking at the fact that, hold on, sticking together bears a greater results. Okay. So because we were oppressed and we wanted to see what the other side was. And it turned out to not be any better for us. And so now we're slowly reverting back to ourselves. We're slowly reverting to buy black. We're slowly reverting back to black pride, black love. We're slowly reverting back to within, but it seems like we're getting back to, okay, instead of the whole world must get along, what if that's not the case? What if that's just not possible because that's not how we were created? I'm not saying people don't have to get along. What I'm saying is this, is you don't have to like everyone, but you have to respect everyone. Yeah. There's a difference between the two. Okay. Respect everyone, but then also realize that some people are just not going to like you because of who you are or what you look like. Yeah. So it's nothing wrong with being around people who likes what you look like and like you for who you are. I told Alicia this the other day, and then we'll we're, we're wrap up here, my brother. This was a beautiful conversation. Can we stop trying to be friends with somebody who don't want to be friends with us? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Say it again. Can we stop trying to be friends with somebody who doesn't want to be friends with us? Come on, man. Come on. That's simple. You know what I hate about America? America could be one of the greatest countries to ever, truly ever be, right? In my opinion, the reason why America is not the greatest country in the world because they're not willing to admit the atrocious part of their history. Yeah. Yeah. Because America is truly a great place. We can't take away. It's one of the few places in this world where you have a diverse group of people. That is true. And they somehow make it work, right? Yeah. Although it has some dark history, they do we need to be better? Absolutely. But they're not owning 
the the their past. Right. Oh, we're not owning the past because I am American. Yeah. We're not owning our past. Yeah. And we're not setting a good example for the future. America has a great opportunity to be like, hey, we did this wrong. This is what we're doing better. And here's the product of us trying to do better. Right. Right. Just some accountability instead of trying to bury everything. And, oh, you, can't, and you can bury it. You can't bury it. You can't because here's the thing is when you try to suppress or bury the the atrocities that you were built upon, it's a reason why things are still happening today. Right. It's the reason why it doesn't matter if you're wearing a military uniform. What they see first is not a soldier. They see a black man. Ooh, you saw the video? Man, well, they're not ready for that, bro. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It doesn't matter if you outrank them. What matters is what they see, not who you are, not what you do. Not how much money you have is what they see when they see that dark brown melanin skin. It just does something to them. Doesn't matter that you told them you are a lieutenant. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My brother, once again, thank you so much for joining me, man. I deeply appreciate it. Absolutely. That being said, Let's jump into our next segment, Have a Treat. As you know, each and every episode, I recommend something for you to read, something for you to watch, and something for you to do, because you deserve to treat yourself. You deserve a piece of your own pie. With that being said, grab a fork. It's time for a treat. What I recommend that you watch is this documentary on HBO Max called Exterminate All the Brutes. I watched this documentary a few days ago, which is one of the inspirations for this episode today. And it started out with Africans and Native Americans, not Indians, right? They're not called Indians, guys. Christopher Columbus was trying to sail and find India in China. And where he landed, he thought that's where he was. And that's why he called them Indians. Please do not call them Indians. Okay. It's ignorant. They're Native Americans. And where Columbus landed, they're called Theano. Right. But once again, people land somewhere and they give the place a new name and they give people a name. It's so weird. This documentary started off with Africans. Yes, Africans were in America before the colonizers came. Yes. If you didn't know, now you know. Right? Africans, they sailed the ocean as well. The Portuguese, the Europeans, they were one of the last few people to get to America. The Vikings was already up in Canada. This whole place was already filled with people. Was it 320 million people like it is today? No. But was it millions? Yes. So the opening scene was Africans 
sitting down talking to Seminole Native Americans, the tribe, the Seminoles. And they were discussing how the colonizers were coming into the land, trying to invade and take it over and how they wanted to proceed together. Guys, it is true. I've heard stories before. I read articles before I did my own research. In some cases, Africans and Native Americans work together against the colonizers. In some cases, Africans and Native Americans did also live together, work together, have children together. All Africans in this country were not brought here only on a slave ship. It is another misconception that you have. Everybody was not a slave. There were some Africans already settled in in America before slaves were brought here. Please do your own research. That's part of the things that are discussed in this documentary, Exterminate the Brutes. So check it out for yourself. You will learn a lot because it is discussing history from the other side. There's a lot to learn. I really enjoyed it. I know you will, too. Once again, exterminate all the brutes on HBO Max. Now for something to read. If you prefer to read the book, Exterminate All the Brutes, which was the inspiration for the documentary, the docudrama, because it's not just a documentary, it's a reenactment. It's a docudrama, right? The inspiration for the docudrama is the actual book, Exterminate All the Brutes. It's a really good book, guys. It's a really good book. So please check out the book. Watch the docudrama. You will learn a lot. Exterminate all the brutes. Now for something to do. What I recommend that you do is go outside. You know, I'm always talking about springtime and the weather's getting nice and we need to get out and be active. Well, hey, remember this time last year, we couldn't do that. We could not. This time last year, we was relegated to our homes. Don't ever forget. So take advantage of the opportunity to get out and about. Enjoy this weather. I'm recommending that you go for a hike. That's right. Go for a hike and make your heart smile. Okay? All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please send it to someone else in your phone. Text them the link so they can enjoy it as well. I deeply appreciate it. Thank you so much. And before you leave, I want to leave you with this question. Do you think we're tribal by nature? Thank you.